Welcome to the Dark Depths Podcast, your go-to place for the modern and legacy formats. I'm one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I'm here with the Arch Lich himself, Michael Mapson. How are you? I am, uh, I don't know, I'm a lot of things. How are you? <laughs> uh, I guess I'm also a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> okay, you only get to be one thing, because I've already picked to be a lot of things. So. Okay, I'll be, I'll be one thing then. Um, I am... Excited we're here this week. I think, I think this is like, it could be wrong too. You'd think I would know the episode numbers at this point, but I think this is our episode 50, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And once again, you, you think I would know, but like, if I put the numbers on, but really not sure. I'm pretty sure it's 50. It's either 50 or like, it's 49 or something like that. Um, it's been a lot of episodes at the very least. I can say that. Ugh, no, we're not even close. Never mind. I, t- I take that back. We're like 47. This is going to be. Jeez. Wow. Way to just like lie to people. Oh my gosh. I mean, and this is worst thing. Like, I can try to edit this out, but like that seems like a nightmare. Uh, we could restart, but like that seems like a nightmare too. Yeah, I don't know. I'll just bathe in the embarrassment that is me not knowing the episode numbers. For shame. <laughs> We should do something for the 50th. Yeah, that's what I was debating. Like, do we do something big for the 50th or do we, like, wait for 52? Like, I feel like 50 is, like, the more important number somehow. Um, you could always do both. <laughs> could. Um, well, I did mention I got... just completely ignore 51. <laughs> 51 garbage. Do the worst episode we've ever done. Mm-hmm. It's like, they started talking about competitive Pokemon. I, like, I don't know what that... <laughs> what happened? one was a weird episode um yeah no i actually i think i mentioned this last week i ended up uh, picking up a collection i've been trying to sell over the past couple of weeks um one of the cards in the collection i actually picked up was a dark depths it's actually like the original cold snap printing too which is sweet i was thinking maybe maybe we could give that away like sign it and give it away or maybe maybe we just sign it ourselves and i can keep it i don't know i haven't decided yet why would we sign it and keep it i don't know it seems so vain it does seem kind of big, I guess. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Maybe, maybe no, we. I'm gonna sign... pretend you didn't say that. Like, sure, that's probably for the best. Yeah. So maybe maybe we sign it, and we give it away to like a, a listener or something like that. That'd be cool. You know what's funny is I actually don't think I actually have four uh, cold snap dark dubs. <laughs> are they just like d- different printings, or are they like do you only have like three like dark dubs? I think I have general? a mismatch playset. I'm not sure. Okay. My uh. For how much money the deck has won me, it's not particularly pretty. <laughs> yeah. Which is actually something that I'm planning to change in the next year or two. I think Rich Callie said that same thing. He's like, um, someone like blasted him on Twitter a couple of years ago being like, you know, you think you would have four, I think it was like Lightning Bowl or something like that, like or Ponder maybe. He's like, you think you'd have four matching Ponders. He's like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I still win games with mismatch basics so like who cares like I still like having my stuff matching and looking pretty but like I don't know it's not for everybody yeah no but I I actually do remember that post and I don't necessarily worry about it per se but I I do appreciate having a a nice looking deck and you know a couple weeks ago I started using uh, whatever tickets I won on moto or like I would open chess sell stuff and started actually buying the versions of cards I liked mm. instead of renting everything all the time. Because sure. it would make me sad, like when I would rent like Mox Diamonds and would give me the FTV Mox Diamonds. So like I was just buying old school stuff. And then I was yeah. like, 
man, I kind of want to do this in paper. And then uh, the the first paper event that I played, uh, well, I should say first paper event back, I played round one. I was against somebody with uh, a foiled out blue blue red deck, and I was just like, yeah, I need to make my cards nice again. Mm-hmm. Not even foil. Cause I know you're not a big foil guy, but like, would you do like foreign stuff, or would you just do like all, as all as old border as possible? So, I mean, I do like foils. Remember, I had a foiled out legacy deck. I thought you didn't. I guess you did have a, a foil out legacy deck. Yeah, I thought, you, I thought you said you didn't like foils for some reason. I don't like playing with, like, a handful of foils. Uh, so for, for those who are kind of confused, um, he was playing Painter. So at, the po- at that point, some of the cards literally weren't available in foil, I think, when you had the deck, right? Like... Imperial Painter, I yeah. think, was like... I mean, they're still not. Grindstone's not available in foil. Plateau's obviously not available in foil. Mm-hmm. Uh, City of Triggers is kind of available in foil, if mm-hmm. you are very well off. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I it was, it was foiled out for all intents and purposes mm-hmm. because, you know, nobody really expects you to have foiled out City of Triggers, especially because they, they were a test print only, so... Yeah. They're like fifty thousand each or something dumb like that. Hmm. Yeah, not not normal person money. That is uh, not to say if you have one, you're not a normal person. But like, you have ugh, that's, that's a lot more money than I have. If I if I put fifty thousand yeah. dollars into a magic card, my wife would probably snap divorce me. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Also, please don't quote me on that number. Uh, that's the number that's coming to head. But that doesn't mean that it's the right number. But you get the point. It's a lot. I mean, even um, if it was 5000 right? Like, <laughs> it's still too much yeah. money for, for one card for me. But to actually answer the question, uh, I would not do f- foreign cards. Uh, I know a lot of people love playing with, like, all Japanese decks or all in German. I really don't like playing with foreign cards. Hmm. Which is funny because I actually like language a lot, mm-hmm. which I think is something you know about me. Yeah. But I hate having time wasted by my opponents needing to read my cards, uh, which is such a minor thing. And I know it's such a minor thing. Uh, and they, if they have a question about a card, they really probably should be getting the Oracle text rather than reading the physical copy anyways. Mm-hmm. But I still just hate the waste of the time by my opponent not being able to read my cards. So I would probably just default to like the oldest or I don't want to say oldest, but old border printing of everything I can. Um, like right now I have, I've got two old border nights and I want to get the rest and just going to get all the time spiral remastered stuff and mm-hmm. upgrade like my dark confidants to the originals and just kind of retro out as much as I can for legacy. Uh, and then I have my primeval Titans altered for modern. And I always told myself I'd get the rest of the amulet altered eventually. So maybe, but this is, uh, it's going to take a while if I do decide to go down that route. Yeah, that was one of the things, um, when I was playing Death of Decks back in the day, like I had a, a number of the deck, um, at least foreign, I was trying to get everything to be foreign language and, you know, that's not nearly as expensive. It's actually, a lot of the cards were end up being cheaper. Like, um, I think the Thalias I got were about the same price, but like I had Japanese Flicker with that were chump change compared to like the normal ones not that they're terribly expensive at this point anymore but um yeah i mean it's just like a labor of love and trying to find some of the stuff like in my dread shack i still don't have the fourth russian prize amalgam like it's been 
I think I've had that deck for like five years or something like that, and like I still can't find a fourth Russian <laughs> primed, uh, prime uh, priced amalgam. So I feel like you're just not trying hard enough, but I could be wrong. I mean, it's one of those things where I'm looking on TCG Player whenever I'm making a sale, so like or buying, buying something rather. Like I, I'll look if I remember, and like I look nothing there. It's like okay. Um, it, I don't think it should be nearly as hard, and I, I'm sure like our friend Jose is a big. Russian magic card enthusiast. Like, I'm sure I could ask him, hey, could you get me a, a fourth, you know, another priced amalgam? I'm sure he could find it for me. I just haven't necessarily... I mean, I could probably amount. find one for you by the end of the day. Okay. Well, if you, if you find one, I guess let me know. I can we can make that work. But, yeah, I, I haven't really dug too far down that hole, I guess, all things considered. But I, I do like a nice deck. Um, I don't know. We'll see how things go with the new job and stuff. I have a feeling... Um, my my birthday doesn't follow too far after Christmas. I have a feeling I I might give myself a nice uh, half birthday, half Christmas gift, and just like send all of Amulet away to get altered. A little, a little treat yourself. Yeah. <laughs> the the nicest thing I've ever gotten for myself, other than my car. Yeah. Everybody's good to do things uh, nice things for yourself every once in a while. So. Ugh. All right. Do you want to dig into into some uh, deck lists? Yeah. Okay. Um, so for people at home, I know we normally do like a set review kind of thing. We've been trying to figure it out. Um, this set is just like not fun. I I think it's for the sake of a, uh, lack of a better word. Like we weren't having fun looking at it. We didn't want to try to force a show upon um, upon ourselves. So we were skipping looking at the D and D set. Um, Two sentence review, sets very low powered. There's not a lot of stuff that's going to be a modern legacy. There, there you go. Um, well, we do see a couple cards I think that actually end up in some of the decks we're talking about, but I think those are literally the only decks that are going to have some kind of D and D flavor in them. So, I, I don't agree with that because we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about a Demi Lich deck, and I think that no. card will see play. Yeah, I think I think Demi Lich is one of the one. Yeah, it's probably one of the two cards. One of the three cards. I, I do think uh, Portable Hole, which I don't think we talk about either, has a chance to be competitive, at least. I know people were talking about it in Modern as being an answer to something like uh, Renin 6 that obviously eats all the Delver creatures. Like, like, yeah, there's definitely some other stuff too, but I don't think, I don't think that's what we're here for. Yeah. Well, if anybody is very upset about the card review, just throw out there, Billy was willing to do it, but I... <laughs> I tried really hard, and I just, <laughs> I couldn't do it, so wanted to not put out content that I was going to be miserable making. Yeah, and I, I always think with when you listen to a podcast or read someone's article, like, if they're, like, phoning it in, you can tell they're phoning it in. Like, some of them are a little more obvious than others, but I think it's hard to fake enthusiasm for something like that. Like, I think you can fake enthusiasm for, like, Modern Horizons, like, I think that's because there's so much exciting stuff going on already. But I feel like if you try to, like, ham it up on the D&D set, which is, like, not the most exciting cards, especially if you're not a big fan of the lore. Like, I, I really do like the D&D lore that's in the set. Um, so I might be able to fake it a little a little bit more than you for this one. Like, I'm, I'm still pumped about, like, you know, a giant hamster that I, that I get to attack with. But if you're not excited about a hamster or uh, a giant skeleton lich, like, I, I think you have to... <laughs> yeah, 
none of that does anything for me. I, I will say, I actually am kind of glad they made it because I do think it's really cool for the people who are into D&D. Mm. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that they appeal to such a large audience with that. It just doesn't do anything for me personally. No. Just being so on the heels of Modern Horizons, I just need a break. I'm still trying to process the Modern Horizons cards. I think I think a lot of people are still trying to figure out what's like what happens for that set. Like, and obviously we're we're going to talk about some of the cards, uh, but like things like Prismatic Ending, um, Merc Tide Regent, um, Dragon Rage Chandler and Ragavan. Like a lot of these cards are still like, you know, people are debating: Do I actually need to play four Ragavans as a legendary, or do I just play three? Um, are like I was I wasn't willing to play four um, Merc Gurmag Anglers. Like, do I really want to be playing four? Um, regions like there's a lot of still difficult questions people need to figure out about the set so yeah it's just a lot of processing right now and I, I think when you're looking at it too like i'd rather spend the time figuring out how this really powerful set works over this like kind of meh low power set okay so we mentioned talking about things we were excited about uh, so i'm going to kick off the first deck because I am very excited about this. So for anybody who doesn't follow uh, F. Paul Luce, uh, AKA Francisco, I guess that's kind of backwards since Francisco is his real name. Yeah. Anyways, uh, <laughs> if you don't follow him, you're making a mistake. Uh, great amulet player, great modern content creator in general. Uh, he likes to brew with things that have to do with lands. And so obviously I'm a little bit biased because those tend to be my favorite archetypes. Uh, so he has done his part to build a modern lands deck. Uh, he streamed it a couple times, so you can check out his stream. But a quick rundown. He's playing uh, Elvish Reclaimers, uh, Explorers, Renin Sixes, Dryad of the Legion Groves, Two Knight of the Reliquary, Four Titania, Priest of Hargoth, and Prismatic Endings. Uh, it's basically four of everything, except for only two knights. And then in his lands, he's playing uh, more or less what you would probably expect, like a bunch of forest, uh, a bunch of Naya dual lands, uh, uh, but notably flagstones, which are obviously great with Elvish Reclaimer, uh, one Yavimaya, which is great with Knight of the Reliquary, and then four Urza Saga. And he is playing a Zurin Orb, a Shadow Spear, and an Expedition map to complement the Urza Sagas. And this deck is sweet. <laughs> I mean, this deck is more or less what I like to be doing. Uh, capping Elvish Reclaimer to sacrifice Flagstones or Trocare is like kind of one of my favorite things in all of Magic. As, as simple as it is, it brings me a lot of joy. Uh, playing with Renin Six is delightful. I miss that card in Legacy so much. Um, so, I mean, this deck has a lot of similarities to Amulet, but it's also very different. Uh, Titania provides a very different way to kill. And, you know, this deck is just really cool. <laughs> yeah, I th think this, yeah, this deck, I think, really is neat. Because I do like the synergy between, like, Titania and Reclaimer. Like, Reclaimer lets you use Flagstones or Trickhead to kind of ramp up. Then Titania lets you get back your Flagstones to ramp even more by also making a bunch of 5-3s. Like, there's a lot of things going on in this deck. It seems really powerful. Um, it doesn't seem like the... Like a super powerful. I'm trying to think how to phrase this. Um, a lot of other decks I've seen that are playing Urza Saga have been using it really as that 
reason to get your creatures the backup plan, right, to make a bunch of constructs, um, to go find a hammer or go find a cookbook or something like that. And this deck, I think, is, like, doing it a little bit more fairly. Like, you're just finding um, Shadow Spear, I think, 90% of the time, or maybe you find that Zoran Orb you need, or maybe you find Expedition Map, but I feel like that's kind of low-priority targets there. Like, they're not super in intense. I think the Shadow Spear is really the highlight. So the targets aren't super intense, but they do have a few things going on that I think really stand out. Uh, Zoran Orb plus Titania is, like, nuts. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just go off. Um, but I think that Ursa Saga is are really good in this deck because of how easy it is to recur them. Uh, playing mm. with copies of Renin 6 and Titania just means that like you're going to be able to keep playing that Urza Saga. You're almost always going to be able to produce a construct once the game gets into like the middle part. Um, and I think it's very easy if you can just keep recurring that card to overwhelm your opponent. It, it doesn't really matter what you're getting at the end. At the end of the day, you're just going to murder them with a bunch of huge huge constructs mm -hmm. yeah I, the i guess i hadn't actually thought about that i with the recursion i guess you can actually like wait for the the third um counter to go in the saga and then stack it to reclaimer right like that's something you could do or if you have yavamai you could do the same thing with um night of the reliquary like that seems pretty huge yeah you the fact that you can sacrifice it to its uh to your reclaimer on the third one is not something I had thought about, but that's also kind of <laughs> insane. Um, there's just a lot of synergy going on in this deck. Uh, it seems really hard for any fair deck to kind of outvalue this deck. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'd be a little bit worried about flyers, stuff like Merktide Regent seems scary, and mm -hmm. combo decks seem terrifying, as they typically are for, <laughs> you know, these fairish green decks but i really don't know how other fair decks are supposed to compete with this like i mean i think they can obviously just go really fast and run through it mm. but i think uh once once it's reached like turn three or four i i don't think it's possible to really get around what this deck is doing yeah i think yeah actually the so if you're talking about like some kind of um, aggressive on the ground deck. I, I'm not even sure exactly what deck I'm thinking of here, but uh, being able to stabilize with the Titania, the Honor synergy, I think it's a combo. It's not really a combo, I guess, right? But that synergy can just pump out a bunch of 5-3 blockers, gain 10 life, or probably 12 life, right? Because they're getting a card back from, from Titania herself. So, like, that seems kind of insurmountable for most decks to try to try to beat. Yeah. And also, you know, it's playing with the good old dry uh, plus Valakite combo, mm -hmm. and a lot of decks kind of fold to that as well. This deck is really, it's, I mean, it's really similar to um, what people used to play with the green-white uh, Field of the Dead decks. Yeah. Uh, this deck is just very similar to that, but I think it's possible this one has even more staying power, which is you know, kind of absurd if we think about the fact Field of the Dead had to get banned. Mm -hmm. Like, why make a 2-2 when you can make a 5-3? That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, this this would be a good deck for just, like, a one-of primeval type, I feel like. Like, I don't think it's embarrassing in this type of deck. So I'm pretty sure he tried the primeval titan and cut it. Hmm. Um, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but 
presumably if you cut it there's a reason i don't i don't think you really need it with the four titanias no and the deck's not like, consistent too a bunch of four of like do you really want need the one of i don't think i don't think the titan's doing anything that the rest of the deck isn't doing already yeah i i do think this deck is the way it's built just hot optimizes titania a little bit more than titan mm-hmm. the, th the only thing about this deck that makes me sad is only playing two night of the royal aquary because uh, that's obviously one of my favorite creatures mm -hmm. um, I, w I would almost like to go down to three red and six and then play the third night but yeah, that mean, could just be me being biased yeah, i think it, i think the knight would be better if there was like more one man accelerants you know like i feel like you're not, playing, you're not playing Arbor Elf, you're not playing Noble Hierarch or anything like that. Like, it is, it is actually just a three-mana, you know, XX, which is which is fine. But I, I feel like it kind of loses value when it can't come down on turn two. I just really love that card. I, I love that card. Yeah, that card's sweet. And I, I know you're a bigger fan of it than I am, but you've, you've definitely turned me on to the power that is Knight of the Reliquary, especially when you get to play something like Wolf Run, which I'm a big fan of, but... <sighs> Man. Okay. Yeah, no, I think that's actually sweet, though. Um, this definitely seems like something that would be fun to play. And it's definitely, especially, like, looking at the decks recently, and, like, um, we talked about these last week, too, so I, I, I feel like we kind of, I don't want to delve into this too too deep, but there's a lot of hammer. Um, there's a lot of blue-red. It's nice to see just, like, a Naya deck. Like, <laughs> regardless of what the deck is actually doing, like, it's just nice to see white cards next to green cards a little bit of red cards just doing doing the lord's work here yeah this deck is uh pretty sweet um so this list came from terry thompson uh, he i mean it, it looks like he updated uh the aspiring spike black red deck mm -hmm. i don't know that for sure i don't know if he came to it completely separately uh but to me it, it, it looks like if somebody took the aspiring spike deck and just kind of added blue to it. Uh, I mean, adding blue to, to modern decks for Snapcaster Mage Colgan's command is like an easy way to get my attention. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, this, I agree. This deck seems sweet. Uh, it really looks like it solves some of the issues I had with the black red deck. Um, like dropping down to one Kroxa, I think is actually very smart. Uh, and I, I think some people might be upset about that because, you know, Kroxa is like this great way to grind and it's so good with Flores. But like, I know I was playing against uh, this deck yesterday and this is, I mean, this is anecdotal, but like I was, I was playing against it with one of the, um, the cookbook decks and my opponent resolved uh, the Kroxa ability like five or six times and I just always had cards in hand. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, especially with that deck because I just, Always, I discarded Oval Chase Daredevil like five times to it. Yeah, of course. It never took damage. But I think in general, you know, a lot of people are going to either have cards in hand because there's just so many ways to gain, gain card advantage right now, or they're going to be killing you before this is really doing much. Yeah. Um, so I really like kind of easing off of Kroxa. Um, Snapcaster Mage plus Coligan's Command just always feels busted. It's huge, yeah. Especially and, in this deck, because you have the, the Luris, too, which is really nice. So you get to actually yeah. rebuy it multiple times. And Colgan's Command plus um, plus Dragon's Ridge Channel is pretty sweet, too. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, a big thing I like about this deck is I've, I've seen people trying to figure out 
uh, in the blue red mirror, how do you kind of deal with Merktide Regent? Mm. And I felt like the black red deck wasn't playing a ton of answers for that. But Drown in the Lock is like this beautiful, beautiful piece of technology um, because, I mean, it really kills basically everything once the game starts going long. Mm-hmm. So it provides a clean answer for Merktide Regent most of the time. Uh, and even when it doesn't, the Seal of Removal uh, does, which we talked about playing Seal of Removal last week with yeah. Loris, as a matter of fact. Um, so I, I really like that Drown in the Lock. Uh, it's just kind of this versatile card. Like it helps against combo. It kills the Ragathons and the Dragon's Rage Channelers that are flying around, but it also kills, you know, the big creatures. So I, I just really like that inclusion. Uh, and Snapcaster Mage plus Dragon's Rage Channeler just seems really good for going long. Mm-hmm. It just, the second just seems beautiful. I feel like all the cards interact with each other so well. Yeah, I do too. Like this is this is probably more like what I actually want to be playing rather than Shadow right now. Like I was saying too, like I think the format's so dependent on the one mana threat. Like it's still going up the chain, right? The two mana threats, the three mana threats, whatnot. But I think the one mana threats in particular, um, being able to play seven pieces of hard removal for those, I think are very important. Um, even if you're on the play, um, you can just you know open up with an Inquisition, right? And that still is going to be able to deal with the one mana plays. Um, but like, and I, I do think the terminate was one of the cards we kind of talked about last week. I think would be was a is a really solid addition here. Um, the Drown Lock Two is is still kind of that flex card where it does a lot of similar things, but also covers you later. Like, yeah, this this deck is really sweet. Um, also, do like the uh, Cyborg Dalty Voidwalker. I know that's the, another card that from Modern Horizons 2 that's gotten a lot of steam, but um, it's, you don't often really get sweet graveyard interaction, I guess, out of out of these colors. Like, you're kind of stuck into playing uh, Lidland of the Void, or you could play something like Nihil Spellbomb, which I think it does work, obviously, very well with Lurith. Uh, but I think this deck has the ability to be very aggressive at times, so having at least one copy of the, the Dothi Voidwalker, I think, is very nice here. All right, so another deck I think that is super neat is this Grixis Lurus deck. Um, looking through it, I mean, this just has a lot of stuff. I've actually been trying to play and put together a Grixis Shadow list, uh, which obviously you get to play Dust Shadow, you get to play uh, Skirts of the Skyclave. I think this deck is doing a lot of, I don't want to say a lot of the aggressive elements a little bit better, but I think the format is so dependent on you having interaction early that... I don't necessarily feel like you want to be playing things like Stubborn Denial, so playing Shadow, I think, loses a little bit of value, as opposed to something like this. So I'm actually interested in this deck. Um, once again, it is a lower shell, so you do have all your threats in the deck are going to be, you know, essentially <laughs> two mana or less. Um, you've got a Crocs in the main deck, a couple copies of Dragon Rage Channeler and Ragavan, which is really nice. Uh, also a couple copies of Snapcaster Mage, which I think is super sweet. A uh, little bit of permission in terms of drawing the lock. Uh, you also do have a lot of removal in terms of Unholy Heat and Lightning Bolt. Got a copy of Terminate and Seal of Removal here. You get to do the Colgan's Command Chains with Snapcaster Mage if you want to. A little bit of Discard and Inquisition and Thoughtseize. Like, this deck is doing a lot of things that I would want to be doing in Grixis Shadow already. Just doesn't put my... <laughs> Light total under such duress in a format that 
it has a lot of lightning bolts and things like that flying around. Um, so I'm a big fan of this deck, especially since you get to play Expressive Iteration, which I think when before um, uh, Mount Horizons 2 came out was one of the premier cards in the format, and you still get to use it here to pretty good effect. So I, I like this deck. Yeah, green's great. Um, green's great. Anyways, shall we talk about something else? Yes. Um, let's... Yeah, this deck is sweet. Yeah. I guess I need to pick up another Croxa then. That's brutal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not too surprising to see uh, Jerry Thompson throwing out a beautiful deck list. You know, it's what he does. Mm-hmm. This is... <laughs> I feel weird because I'm just like staring at the list and just thinking about how beautiful it is, like how how well I feel like all the cards kind of go together. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I don't want to ruin the view here, but let's switch to uh, one more modern deck and we'll switch to Legacy after that. Uh, do you want to... Ruined it. I know, I'm so sorry. Do you want to tell me about this deck, though? For the last modern deck, we have... Uh, an Esper cookbook deck. Uh, you know, one of my opponents yesterday, I, I played Asmo, and mm-hmm. they're like, or I said, get the play this card, and they're like, you have to name the card. Oh my gosh. So the name, and they just kind of stared at me like, huh, impressive. I didn't think you could actually do it. Like, <laughs> Don't challenge me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do avoid saying it because it's just a waste of my time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this list is courtesy of one Zach Goldman. Um, huh. He's been playing it at his uh, FNMs the past couple weeks. Um, top forward, both of them. I'm not sure how big his FNMs are. Um, it's always interesting to me when people say like, "Oh, I like top forward or one FNM," because like for some people, it's like actually a big deal because there's like 80 people and you top four. <laughs> That's actually really good. But, like, historically for me, if I say I want FNM, it's like, okay, cool. You beat 12 people. Four of them picked up Magic last week. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, well, our buddy Ian uh, played at a store that had, um, like, Steve Rubin in it. And, like, so he's like, oh, I know that guy. I like, oh, how do you know Steve Rubin? He's like, oh, he played at my local store. It's like, oh, okay. This makes more sense. Like, your FNMs are much harder than my FNMs. <laughs> like, yeah, you just you just never know, <laughs> know what people are what people mean when they say affidavit, like it could be anything. Yeah. Um, but he has had a slightly different take on the cookbook list. So I figured it was worth mentioning. Um, he does have obviously the traditional package. Can you say traditional yet? Anyways, yeah. <laughs> <I don't like> <laughs> the traditional package of uh, four cookbooks, four street wraith, uh, four asmos, uh, four oval chase daredevil. And then since he's in blue, he's playing with his four Emrys, his two Urzas. But he's not going down the Thought Monitor path. He's playing, um, instead he's playing Esper Sentinel as a source of card advantage. And he's playing two Teferis and two Prismatic Endings in the main deck. And then uh, Mistress Bobbles and his suite of Urza Saga's targets. But I, ju- I just think this deck's interesting because it's got you know, slightly different takes than um, than the other ways that people have built these food decks. And I really don't know how good Esper Sentinel is. Um, I haven't really had the chance to play much with or against it. I don't know how you feel about the card. I think the card's really sweet. Um, so just kind of thinking about the opening lines, 
for most people in this format. Uh, you are on the play, you've got Esper Sentinel. Sure, play play that one drop. Okay, well now on their turn one, they have the option to go Lightning Bolt your Sentinel. Okay, I get to draw a card. Okay, kind of annoying, that's fine. Maybe I'll just wait till turn two, but by, then by turn two, they're going to be doing other stuff. And like on turn two, you could play, you know, your own cookbook, discard a Daredevil, play Asmo. Like, well, I probably want to Lightning Bolt that, but they're still going to draw a card. And then the next time you get to your turn, like you can pay two mana and, you know, Lightning Bolt the Esper Sentinel, but you get to pay the extra one. So you're kind of getting time walked anyways. Um, you know what I mean? Like there's the Esper Sentinel, especially in the developing turns of the game, makes it really awkward for your opponent to actually do anything else besides let you draw a card or they can they can just waste a turn. And sometimes their mana lines up where they're going to waste a turn either way. But a lot of times it gets you some sort of advantage, whether it's time or resources. Um, so I'm, I'm a big fan of it so far. Um, just in between yeah. this and human stacks and the um, hammer deck, I think it's been really impressive. Yeah, that's fair. Drawing cards is uh, is nice. Mm-hmm. And one of the issues I had with Thought Monitor was when you start chaining them, it's really sweet. But there, mm-hmm. there were plenty of games where I would be like two or three artifacts away from casting it forever because I didn't have the cookbook. So this seems like an easier way to get card advantage. Yeah. Um, even if it's less uh, guaranteed, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Uh, very easy to bring it back with Asmo also. Yeah. And with Emery also, too. All right, that's that's what I meant. Oh, okay. Get back with Emery. Yeah. Um, then playing Teferi, I think, is really interesting. Um, Teferi Time Raveler is just a messed up magic card. Like, Absolutely. I think everybody kind of knows that at this point. <laughs> but it's really good. Um, and it actually seems pretty good in this format where you have people playing these Cascade decks that it just completely shuts down. Mm-hmm. And it can bounce Merktide Regents, which is, like, kind of obscene. Uh, being able to bounce Urza, the Urza Saga tokens is really good. Um, it mean, bounces enchantments too, right? Yeah, so yes, it can I, bounce an Urza Saga mm-hmm. if that's relevant. Yeah, I think besides, um, I should think it's. I could be wrong. I think it's not land for for Teferi. That's I think it's the wording on it. I could be wrong. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's creature enchantment. Oh, is it? Okay. Grab an Oracle takes real quick. Yeah, you do that. Fairy time raffler. Uh, return up to one target artifact creature enchantment to its owner's hand. Okay. Boom. So you can I knew it wasn't just downlink. It doesn't hit planeswalkers. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah that would be sweet. gross. That'd be gross. That would be, gross. <laughs> That'd be <laughs> gross. so gross. Yeah, but I guess you can blast your own Earth Saga. That's really good. Um, and I, I think it's not that it really comes up to, but like you can theoretically instant speed a prismatic ending which I think is relevant like especially i think in this deck you have a lot of situations where your opponent tries to play something like a um pithing needle right that like, they're going to name pithing needle and you know maybe they actually name your cookbook maybe they name your asmo you can let them decide and you can say i'm going to get rid of it either way um which i think is really sweet um and i, I think having prismatic ending in the main deck here is just probably right you know what i mean like i think if you're kind of looking at cards that your opponent's going to sideboard in against you, like it is going to be something like um, a pithing needle or a collector oof, um, something like that. Um, you know, maybe a sorcerer spy class. Who, who cares, right? But like you don't have discard um, in your main deck. So, prismatic ending is a good way that if your opponent's going to play some kind of sorcery interaction, 
for your deck, you just have it in your main deck already. Um, I think that's really, really nice here. So something I didn't notice about this deck earlier uh, is there's actually sideboard copies of Flusterstorm, oh, yeah. which I think is really interesting. Yep. Um, those, that sneaky, for a, sneaky card. Yeah. It, it's interesting because you really never see that card in this format. So you're trying to think what it's for. If I had to guess, I think it's for, um, shoot, what is the name of that card? The Glimpse of Tomorrow decks? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, it actually seems like a pretty sweet answer to those. Um, and also the Living Index, the Blue Living Index. But mm -hmm. uh, the Glimpse deck make so much mana that, like, it's really not that hard for them to be, like, a spell pierce or something. So Flusterstorm being able to, like, actually in the chain eventually, I think, seems good. Um, although maybe... Maybe it doesn't work like that. Maybe that's not what it's for. I don't know. But um, having it against the Blue Living Index also seems really good because I've definitely played against them where they, you know, they go for their combo and I have a counter spell and they're just like packed the negation yeah. and I lose. <laughs> so the fact that they can't just pack the negation of Flaster Storm is really strong. Yeah, I think and I do think like the blue, the blue living index that ability to have pact or, or force of negation, I think is so good for them, right? So I think Flusterm is a, a big uh, kick in the knees, as it were. Yeah, I'm still. I, I know. I, we, I think we talked about this before. I'm like still not a big fan of Aether Gust, but I know it has its uses here. I I just feel like if you're already in Esper, you should have some sort of better interaction than Aether Gust. Aether Gust is the best spell. Uh, probably in the format against Primeval Titan. I think that's a, enough of a reason to play it. Uh, it's okay, so it's not the best spell in the format against it, but it's it's one of the better ones. Yeah, and it deals with like uncounterable Titans too, which I guess is relevant. Like I always just want to play like Flash Freeze and just call it a day, but I, yeah, I but Flash Freeze is very beatable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it does, yeah, it doesn't go around Cavern or something like that. So <sighs> yeah, Aether Gust. You're living in uh, you're living in the past, old man. I know, man. Back in my day. Yeah. Um, um, I do think it's worth mentioning uh, if you are playing something like this list. Uh, this would be a good excuse to play portable hole. Hole. Hmm? I like this deck. This deck is also pretty cool. Um, and exactly, I think in general, it's just very good at making these types of decks as well. Um, kind of in the same. Boat as uh, F. Paul Lutz is good with land deck. I think um, Zach is normally pretty good with these sort of, um, especially Emery too. I think the second deck from him I've seen that has Emery in it. But these types of decks are very much in his wheelhouse. Yeah, he really likes the the grindy artifact Urza type stuff. Hmm. So I'm definitely interested in trying trying out this list. I mean. I am pretty big on the Asmo stuff right now in general, and obviously we've both waxed poetic about Emory a lot. Mm -hmm. so, interested in trying all varieties of Asmo. For sure. On Monday, next Monday, I'm I'm playing the Grinding Station version at at weeklies. I think. Nice. Pretty excited for that. Yeah, and you kind of mentioned this before, but like you know we're. <laughs> They just gave us a new set, but, like, there's still so many more Asmo decks you need to figure out. Like, I saw, like, a, an Asmo... Yeah, I think it's probably the deck you're playing, the Asmo 
uh, grinding station underworld breach deck, right? Like yeah, that's like I would. I might play it online this weekend, but I'm planning to focus on Legacy. But that's uh, once I can move on from Legacy, that's like the first thing I'm doing. I think. Okay. Yeah, it's just like there's so many cool things to do still. Like I don't know. I'm I'm happy this deck is kind of pulled together. I I still think the like you said, the the white actually does add a lot here, and like having that main deck interaction um, for the format specifically into Fairy Time Raveler, I think it's huge. Um, like there probably should be more to Fairy decks. Um, I think right now, I don't, I don't know what they would look like necessarily, but um, some kind of something around to Fairy Prismatic Ending, I think, would be really nice. I still want to see the deck that it's playing to Fairy and Suspend. Uh, that's another interaction I still haven't gotten to see yet, but I think that has to be uh, pretty strong in this format. All right, let's switch over to Legacy, the people's format. Um, let's start talking about this deck. And I think this deck is like... Actually, you know what? I'm going to talk about... I'm going to talk about this deck first, because I think this deck I've seen a lot more. Um, personally, I've been watching a lot of videos with this. Um, this deck we're looking at actually got 12th place in a challenge um, this past weekend by B... Baca, be Baca, um, but I actually watched a video with uh, Thraven Yu. I can't think think of what his actual name is. Um, Phil Gallagher. Phil Gallagher. I was playing this list too. So um, this is, I'm not even sure the best name for it is. I keep calling it like Eight Eight Walla. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think that is the best name for it. Okay, so it is playing four copies of Basking Root Walla, um, a very popular card. Uh, back in the day from, I believe, Torment. Um, it's also playing four copies of Blazing Root Walla, which is a new card from Modern Horizons 2. Uh, so both these cards are one mana, one ones. Uh, one's green, one's red. Uh, they both have a madness cost of zero, and they can both be activated uh, for two mana to give them plus um, two power. One gets plus two, plus two. One gets plus two, plus zero. Um, but both of these cards are really nice because when you discard them, you do get to cast them for the madness cost of zero, which makes it really nice when you start looking at other things like uh, Vengevine, for example. Um, you also are cop playing some other copies, some other cards that benefit off of madness, such as um, uh, Anjith Ravagers. Um, you do have some cards that you don't mind being in the graveyard in terms of Anger um, or Ox of Agonis, um, and you also do have copies of Hollow One. So it's very easy for you to have a turn where you, uh, let's say, go turn one, uh, Burning Inquiry, discard, um, Vengevine, Anger, and a Blazing Rootwalla, cast my Hollow One, get back my Vengevine, and attack you for, um, because I have haste, of course, <laughs> I'll attack you for uh, nine damage on turn one, right, on the play. Like, that's really powerful. Um, a lot of the things I've seen are kind of reminiscent of a... I don't say like a discard oriented version of Dredge, which I think is probably a bad a bad <laughs> um, comparison. Um, but it, in my mind, it does play a lot of a lot like Dredge. It does have a little bit more interaction because um, you do get some more staying power with things like Antith Ravagers, um, Vidvine's another card that ideally you can get it kind of in play unfairly on turn turn one or turn two, but like you could very easily see it come to play on multiple turns later. Um, Burning Inquiry is really good in this deck. Faithless Looting does work. Uh, Gamble's a pretty decent card here, too. Um, 
I don't know. This card, this deck looks really sweet as, as far as being aggressive and graveyard based. I I'm interested in it at least. Yeah, Lion's Eye Diamond is so good in this deck. No, oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's weird to think that that card is doing something other than just enabling Storm. But, yeah. I mean, in a weird way, it kind of is still enabling Storm here. But yeah, this deck is um, it's something else. It's very scary good when it works. Hmm. Uh, granted, it doesn't always work, but it's fairly consistent too. Yeah. Yeah, and this is a deck that needs. It really does need a wholesale graveyard answer, like something like. Um, Layla of the Void, I think, is really good. Uh, but also, like, it has a weird interaction with Madness Spells and Graveyard Interaction. Like, something like Layla of the Void doesn't actually prevent you from being able to cast in on just Ravagers, for example, just the way Madness works. Yeah, I I don't actually think that Graveyard Hate is particularly good against this deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it stops Vendrines, but that's really about it. Yeah, Vengevines, the Angers, um, and the um, Ox of Agonis. Those are the, the big losses there. Yeah, so. I mean, I'm not... I don't know, I feel like stopping Anger doesn't really matter. Hmm. No, it's, it's, not the, it's not the end of the world. It just it Having a Leyline of the Void on turn one uh, prevents you from getting, like, the big, I'm going to attack you with, you know, two Hollow Ones, you know, that kind of play, but it, it's really not the end of the world. You're right. So, I mean, I'm, I'm actually not sure what the best ways to deal with this deck are. I, I mean, I think putting in bigger creatures and also just combo, but, like, yeah, I, I've seen this deck run over uh, some fair players, and it's always pretty fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, I think and this is one of those decks, too. It, it really is a lot of energy, right? Like, there's a, a good chance that you burning a query and get you know, some kind of busted play, but there's also a good chance you burning a query and discard all your lands and then just don't draw a land for the other, <laughs> for the rest of the game. Um, I've seen a lot, a couple, I don't want to say a lot, because that's probably not fair, but I've seen a, enough games with this deck where they do play the uh, turn one uh, burning a query, or they do like the turn one um, Lion's Eye Diamond, um, discard by hand, uh, cast edges, ravagers, and they're like, okay, and now I can win the game from here, and the opponent just like, kills Ravagers, and they're like, ooh, that's not good. So, <laughs> so I don't know. It, it, it is a matter of consistency, and, like, once again, decks like this, and we saw the same thing with the Hollow One deck in Modern, right? Like, there are some situations where, like, regardless of what you try to do, you're going to die to a bunch of 4-4s four and whatnot, but also there's some stuff where they're going to, like, push around for six turns and then die, so. just kind of depends what kind of day it is. I'm still gonna play this deck, by the way. I just need to look at that out there. Like this is this is too far up my alley to, for me not to be interested in. Yeah, I mean, play it. Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cheap Game online. It's cheap. Yeah, I mean, like 184 tickets is not bad. Um, obviously, in paper, in paper it's expensive. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, in paper it's a little a little bit worse between the uh, Badlands, the Tigers, and the Lionside Diamonds, but. Uh, you know, it's really the line. It's really, yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Well, can you help me with this deck? Because I'm still trying to figure this one out. Um, 
it, it looks like there's a lot of stuff going on, and I, I feel like I've seen this deck before, but it looks a little different here. Yeah, so uh, Can Can's back at it again with what else but Bomberman. That's the only thing that this person seems to play. That's, that's not fair. They, they've played other decks before. Didn't they play, like, uh, what was a deck? I thought they played a... No. Am I wrong? They played Bomberman. They only what? played Bomberman? I really thought they played... Click, click, on, click on their name real quick. I'm going to click on their name. Before I, cl- before I look at it, I really thought they had played um, the Thoth Oracle Doomsday deck. I thought they had played a couple... They the played m- Bomberman. <sighs> Man. Ooh, a challenge with Dark Depths. They That's did. crazy. Man, okay. they got good taste. But yeah, you're right. They just play it. They just play the deck. Okay. Yeah, they, they play Bomberman. Man. It's, it's what they do. Which is fine. Bomberman's yeah. a cool deck. Everyone, everyone's got a thing. Yeah, just, they, they, it looks like they were on a colorless post bit for a bit. Um, they they had one one month. Oh, no, okay, they have some other things well, here too. Actually, I don't even think that that colorless post though. If you click on it, I think it's actually. Um, I don't think it's actually post. I think it's like the Mystic Forge type stuff. If I had to guess. Um, uh, no, I'm wrong. They were actually like just on Big Coffee. Yeah. Crazy. That's way less cool than uh, than Bomberman. Yeah, I think everyone's allowed to have one crazy weekend doing other stuff. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. And this colorless post is like still playing like Garuda. Yeah, I jump around left and right, so like I can't I can't judge. But it's just, you know... Bomberman's cooler than playing Font Nazi or... Bomberman is You cool. can play Font Nazi or Bomberman. You, you get the point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Yeah. Anybody who hasn't seen Canacan's updated uh, black white list, it's got, I mean, the same old artifact shenanigans they've always been up to. Uh, but notably, now they get, um, you guessed it, Urza Saga. Mm-hmm. Um, they're playing Urborg, which is like really good for the mana. And uh, uh, Karavek, the Spiteful, uh, in addition to some cyber cards. Uh, Karavek, if you are unfamiliar, is four mana, two black, black. Or it's a legendary creature. Uh, I think it's a 3-3. Three, three. And three, two, other three. creatures get minus one, minus one. It's not opponent's creatures. It's all creatures. So it does affect your own stuff. Um, but notably, your stuff has more than one toughness, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, and even more notably, every creature in Delver naturally has one toughness. Mm-hmm. So if Karafak is in play, it kills Ragavan. It kills uh, Dragon's Rage Channeler. If there's no Delirium, it kills Unflip Delvers. And that's really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. That's really nice. All right. Uh, one more deck. Got this sweet pile here. I feel like... I don't know. This is another deck too. Like we were talking about, kind of the impact of that that D and D set, and like we did see the one uh, the copies of Ingenious Smith here from that set. Um, there's nothing in that this other Legacy deck that the one we talked about initially, right? The Eight Walla. Uh, but we do see this one. This is one of the ones that I think people were talking about. I want to say the most probably from for Legacy at least. 
Um, looking at the interaction between Atherak, the Archlidge, um, and Aloran. So if you haven't seen um, Atherak, uh, this is a two and a black for a five-five zombie wizard. Uh, when Atherak, the Archlich, enters the battlefield, if you haven't completed Tomb of Annihilation, return Atherak, the Archlich, to its owner's hand and venture into the dungeon. And venture into the dungeon is one of those new mechanics that we see out of the set. If you haven't heard about venturing into the dungeon, this is not, <laughs> not the card to start learning it with. Um, but essentially, there's three dungeons you can go through. They have different effects, etc., etc. Um, whenever Atherak, the Archlich, attacks, uh, for each opponent, you create a 2-2 black zombie creature token unless that player sacrifices the creature, um, which I think is actually really neat once it's actually on the battlefield if you were to progress that far in the game uh, with it. But um, you can you can actually just kill your opponent if you have a Lauren and a Therak. You can just um, venture into the other two dungeons enough times um, and essentially be able to drain your opponent out. Um this is this was like the one card I think that people were actually talking about, um, you know, possibly being playable. And we can talk about how legitimate we think Atherak is in this deck. But uh, before that, we'll talk about just the other cards. Um, you start playing that uh, Veteran Explorer Cabal Theory repackage you normally see in, um, you know, a Lauren decks um, a number of times. Um, also have some copies of Endurance. Um, you see Uro. Um, I actually really enjoy the Grist, the Hunger Tide on the sideboard here. I think that's actually, uh, in the main deck, rather. Um, I think it's a really good addition here. Um, also do have, um, you know, some Brainstorms. You've got Ponder, the Corrupt Decays, uh, Living Wish, uh, which does get you some pretty cool things out of the sideboard, including um, Academy Rector, Plague Engineer, Knight of Autumn, um, another Therak if you need it. Um, Grist. Grist, yeah, yeah, Grist. Yeah, and also really good against death attacks. Oh yeah, being able to just like clean up a bunch of moms and thalias and whatnot. I think it's huge. Flicker wisp, why not? Um, he also has a new card in Ingenious Smith. Uh, let's see, yeah, one in a white uh, for one one human artificer. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal an artifact card with, from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest of the bottom of your library in a random order. Uh, whenever one or more artifacts enter the battlefield under your control, put a 1-1 counter on Ingenious Smith. This ability tr triggers only once each turn. Which is, I don't think that's terribly relevant. I, obviously, you can buy some stuff back um, in terms of um, Oriac Salvagers, but like I feel like that's a <laughs> very slow loop. Um but yeah, it gets it gets slowly bigger. It does. It's like a um, glint uh, nest crane. So that's not terrible. It gets bigger. Yeah. Um, also notably in the sideboard now that uh, they're on black, we've got access to four kite sail freebooter and three feed the swarm. Uh, with feed the swarm seeming pretty good. Um, destroy target creature or enchantment. Being able to destroy enchantments means you get to blow up opposing uh, Urza Sagas, which is mm -hmm. always very good. Um, and Freebooter just kind of gives them a piece of interaction that they really didn't have before. Yeah, because I mean, you're playing black, so you, you could play something like Mythmeric Fiend, right? But like, you also need something that is not one toughness. <laughs> so Freebooter does a good job of filling that role here. Yeah, and you also need something that is not. Uh, 
one mana value because you don't want to get encountered by your chalice. Yeah. But this deck, I mean, this deck's pretty cool to me. Uh, I've been a fan of Horiak Salvager strategies for years and years and years. Uh, my favorite was playing it with uh, Imperial Recruiter and then also playing Painter Combo. Oh, yeah. That was a fun deck. <laughs> Good times. I also do just like having the kind of the great creator Michael within lattice synergy like i think that's that's just super powerful yeah yeah so uh, i'm so glad it's not in modern anymore oh my god that was brutal yeah did not was not having fun no it's not cool eldrazi tron was actually a good deck that's how you knew things were wrong with the world <laughs> Well, it's just, they're like, oh, I have seven mana. I'll play Karn. You're like, okay, cool. Exile one of my lands. Like, oh, no, no, not that Karn. <laughs> like, first, you'll never attack again. And then you'll never cast another spell. Yeah, that's not what I wanted. Um, yeah, this is, I think this is a cool deck. And I, I think we've, we've talked about this before. I, I think Bomber Man's a really cool deck that you get to see in Legacy. Um, just uh, Obviously, the play pattern, I think, is a very unique to my, uh, to Legacy in general, very unique to this deck. Uh, it's also, I think, like the only deck that's really playing Garuda, uh, which I think is a really powerful card. It just doesn't really fit in a lot of decks that you'd really want to play. Um, but it's good here. Like, and I, I think it's cool that we get to see Garuda in this format, um, and then we got to see... Um, I forget what it's called, the red-black um, counterpart in Modern, the uh, odd one. Obash. Obash, thank you. Also, I will have you know that I played against just normal Garuda, Garuda combo. If it was, I don't remember if it was this week or last week. Oh just, gosh. My opponent just naturally, or well, not naturally, like, you know, just playing Garuda, flipping over some cards, <laughs> hitting another Garuda, flipping over some cards, hitting a uh, Restoration Angel, flipping over some cards. I know there were. Good was... times, good times. There, there was that deck that was playing, like, Gyruda and, like... My brain says Body Double, but I don't think it's actually Body... Like, clones and stuff like that, like... Yeah, it was, it was that deck. Okay. That's what my opponent was on. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. It was a sweet match, actually. Can't lie. I got to feel really smart, because I... Um, so they played their Gyruda, and I had a Krakus in play, and I Krakus'd it... Uh, with the trigger on the stack, hoping that they would just kind of fizzle, and then I'd be able to make a Merrily Age and kill them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they hit a Gyruda off of the first Gyruda. Of course. And then I was like, okay, well, I can't let them keep going because I'll just die. Uh, but, like, I've already used my Caracas. Um, so I was able to crop rotation, sack Caracas, uh, hold priority, flash in endurance, target myself. Ooh. Okay. And then get the get the Caracas, Caracas, the Garuda. So you you sacked your one Caracas to get your own Caracas. Yeah, it was awesome. That's pretty cool. Felt real smart. <laughs> oh man, that's pretty sweet. Is it a, is it a, is, is it a creature card? Uh, I think so. Uh, you'd have to read the card again, but. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if it's not in play, it's a creature. But it's a creature card. Do, yeah. Or does, make, does it being a creature make it a creature card? Yes. Okay. Okay. It's so. a card. 
That's a creature. Because it's a creature. Okay. Cool. So, yeah, a lot of stuff um, going on here. Um, can you... Okay, so, everyone's seen... I'm not a, I haven't played a Lauren or not enough, I think, to under, quite understand this. Um, I know you've played a lot more Lauren than I have. Is... Should I be excited about the combination of a Therak and a Lauren? Like, is that... Does that break the format wide open for a Lauren? I mean, it definitely doesn't break the format wide open. I do think it's good. Um, the thing is, you know, you still have to resolve this four mana enchantment. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you have to play with copies of this card that doesn't do that much in general. Uh, what is really nice about it is it kind of streamlines what you can do with the deck. Uh, you previously had to play this somewhat clunky package of cards in order to actually kill with it. Um, you don't have to do that anymore. And uh, people have said, you know, there's other, like, one-card combos with Aloran, and I will say, I think out of all of those, uh, this new card is the one that's best on its own. So I do think it is an upgrade to the deck, but I don't think it's going to be like, oh my god, Aloran is the best thing to be doing now. I mean, like, it's definitely still going to, it's going to be one of those decks where, like, there's times where it's probably really well-positioned, you know, it's still going to be a good choice, but it's not like this is all of a sudden the end-all be-all. Okay. Yeah, it just... It's it's hard for me, and this, this is just me personally, it's hard for me to tell if, the, if a deck like this is good. Um, especially because I don't... Like, one of the things I really liked about the Lauren deck in general, I think it's, it's very hard for your opponent to interact with profitably. Um, because the deck just has so many built-in, you know, one-for-ones and two-for-ones, and, like, being able to have Baleful Tricks just in your main deck is so good against Delver. Um, and actually, really, realistically, now it's actually pretty good against Delver. It's pretty good against um, Dragon Rage Channeler and Murktide Regent. Like, I think it's actually a really solid card here, especially if your opponent's not going wide with something like a um, Young Pyromancer, right? So, like, I think it's just very good against the Delver deck. Um so, and you could obviously bounce it back with, like, Cavern Harpy and things like that. And once you get a Lauren out, now now you're just going crazy. So, I, I knew that was at least solid. I knew that was difficult for um, some decks to interact with. Aserak, like, I don't think my opponent's just going to, like, tap three mana on the main face and just cast Aserak. I, I could be wrong, right? But, like, it doesn't seem terribly likely. So, I... And like they have the other things they could be doing, like they do have you know copies of endurance and an uro and grist. So they have other three mana plays, but like it's just three blank cards that they're gonna probably never cast um, without a learn out. I don't know if that's. I wouldn't say it's blank. Like I, I actually do think you can just cast this, like Aserak. It's not like what you want to be doing, but I don't think it's the worst thing you could be doing. Okay. Well, I'm trying to... Okay, let me actually look these up, because I'm, I'm not sure what the the dungeons are. I, this is, like, one of those things, too, which... This is a whole other issue, because, like, I wonder if people are actually going to try to commit these to memory, or they're going to bring these in deck boxes or whatnot, but... Um, I, I'm 100% positive, though, there's going to be someone playing this deck in paper and be like, oh, I don't actually have the dungeons, I don't... Do, do, do you need me to tell you what they do? I mean, like, I, I kill you. Do you just believe me? It's like, uh, I, I want to read the Dungeons now. Um, I'll hopefully get this up soon. Um, but yeah, I just wonder, like, if three mana venture into the dungeon and get some, like, like nominal effect, it's like, 
really good. No, I think the best thing you can do with it, uh, like the first time you do it, is just like scry. Okay. Like scry one, I think, on um, one of the dungeons. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's not it's not like anything absurd, but you know, this is a deck where if if you're in a spot where like you're casting it, presumably you have kind of just like flooded out a little bit. So mm. if you're kind of heavy on mana and just like pay three mana, scry one is defensible at least. Even if it's not good, it's you know better than not doing that for sure. Yeah. Okay. That's that's fair. Alright, my computer's doing Like it's it's not that much worse than like paying three mana for an Uro and drawing a card. Like obviously it's worse. Sure. <laughs> I'm yeah, not yeah. saying it's but you know, it's something you can do. You could and you could be doing nothing. Yeah, it's just like well and, okay, so comparing it to like something like Baleful Strict, right? Like at least that's helping defend the battlefield, and it's also drawing me a card, getting me a little bit but closer to There's no reason to compare it to Baleful Strix, though. They're not occupying the same space. Like, you can still play yeah. Baleful Strix in this deck. Hmm. This person's choosing not to, but I don't think that has anything to do with Asurak. No. And, like, well, okay, so I guess the one thing is that by playing Asurak, you are condensing your package, so you do have the option to be playing Baleful Strix, but, like, you don't have to be playing the other seven cards that go along with like you don't i don't think playing like imperial recruiter or something like that in the deck which i think is meaningful okay so looking just talking about the other two dungeons because like once again like the the point of this is that you keep casting a therac but don't ever go into the tomb of annihilation uh once you go into a dungeon you have to complete it before you move on to another dungeon um, i actually you, didn't know that <laughs> yeah yeah you can't you can't leave a dungeon you have to complete that, it you have to that move makes forward. sense yeah uh so the two two other dungeons are Dungeon of the Mad, Mad Mage and Lost Mine of Fendelver, which once again, if you're a big D and D fan, these are I think really really cool. But um, the Dungeon of the Mad Mage, um, when you enter that, you gain one life, which is kind of innocuous. Um, and, and I'm just gonna look at the, the first three because I think realistically I could cast this maybe two times before it's kind of embarrassing. But um, so Yawning Portal, you gain you gain one life. You go back into the Dungeon of the Mad Mage, you scry one, you go back into it um, a third time, you can either create a treasure token or you target creature can't attack until your next turn. It's actually not terrible. Um, being able to gain a life is not meaningless. Scrying one is reasonable. Maybe making a treasure token or making sure you don't get you can't get attacked by like um, a Delver or a Merktide Region, I think is huge. So maybe that is pretty decent. Um, Lothmine of Fendelver, um, start off by scrying one, and then you can either make a 1-1 one, one red goblin creature token, or you can create a treasure token going the other way. Um, then after that, you can either um, put a 1-1 one, one counter on a creature, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life, or target a creature gets negative 4, negative 0 until end of turn, which is similar to the other one, right, where rather than not being able to attack at all, negative 4, negative 0, it's going to mean that that Dragon Rage Chandler is not going to deal you damage this turn, which I think is also pretty pretty relevant. Um, but yeah, just going through this, um, the Lost Mine of Fandelver is the one that you can, um, you can literally just keep going through um, and draw your, sorry, I'm saying this really weird, um, you can scry, make a treasure token, um, you can 
go into the, the quote-unquote dark pool, so each opponent loses one life and you gain one life, and then you can go finish it by drawing a card. Um, also, the way this works is that you don't have to actually get the effect of the dungeon. Um, once you go into the temple, quote-unquote go into the temple of... Um, uh, Duma, I can't pronounce the name. Uh, Dumatoin, I believe. Dumatoin, I can't pronounce it, whatever. Once you finish the Lost Mine of Chandelver, you don't have to resolve the ability. You can actually leave it on the stack, which is really nice with the Lauren. So then you can just go back to the cave entrance and start that. Um, so if you're like low on cards in your deck, you can actually just keep stacking the draw triggers on top of each other um, while resolving the Dark Pool, which is actually draining your opponent so you can kill them like that. Which is really sweet. Uh, so the other big thing that I really like about this list is since he's in white, he has access to a sideboard monastery mentor. Mm. And that card is really good. <laughs> uh, especially with Emery, it's really good. So it kind of offers a nice kind of sideboard juke plan for like if your opponent plays um, like a Stony Silence or a Kataki type effect, uh, mentor just gives you an additional angle of attack. So I really like that. Mm-hmm. But you can um, create infinite treasure tokens, um, exile the every card from your deck, and then cast them if you really want to. Um, I'm not sure if that's something you necessarily want to be doing in this deck. It's not that you have like a um, you don't have some like a big mana outlet. Um, it's not like you're going to go and cast Walking Ballista or something you're like that. You're not worried about doing that. If you're getting to the point where you're casting it infinite times, you just make them lose life. Yeah, agreed. So, yeah. Um, the Tomb of Annihilation, for those who um, are interested, um, they they do have effects that are that are actually pretty decent, I think, in a short game, but, like, you probably aren't going to be doing that, <laughs> I think, if, you, if you're planning on winning with this type of deck. So, it's not terribly relevant for you. But, no, I, I think it's cool. I mean, it, it's nice that they do have, once again, from a, a D&D nerd, um, it's really nice they have something really flavorful um, like that. It's good that we have at least one card out of the D&D set that has at least some where it slots into really nicely in the Legacy metagame. Um, I was kind of concerned that we would have a bunch of cards that didn't really do anything on their own, and this is at least one that seems like it can pull its weight. So that's nice. See, I would actually prefer that no card had slotted in, just because I feel like I've heard so many people complain about the fact that they're doing the set. Mm-hmm. Even though you and I think it's good that they do the set, most of those complaints have come from legacy players. So I just almost wish there had been nothing, so like I could just not ever have to hear anything. Well, I mean, like, probably I'm going to hear complaints yeah. a lot, but like mm-hmm. one time per year would still be too much for me. Well, like, I'm okay with sets like this. Like, I I want really one or two cards from a set making it. Yeah, you're okay with it, but the masses. Well, okay, so I feel like if you were excited about Modern Horizons two and you got, I think I forget who I want to say was, I want to say was Jeff Elblin, but I could be wrong. Um, I think like like thirteen or twelve out of the top fifteen creatures in Modern right now, I think are have been printed in the past year. Like that's a concern. Like I'm o- I'm okay with people being upset about that, but like, yeah, you get you get two cards. Like Aloran's not like the bee's knees so in this it, format either. It's not that people are upset that there's cards being added to the pool. It's people are upset that they have properties from another game impacting the game that they want to play. 
Sure, but like, this is them dipping in their own pot, right? Like, this is it's not like I, the... I'm I'm not the person you're arguing with here. Sure, yeah. I am just sharing a concern people have. Yeah. I'm not here to play devil's advocate because I don't care. <laughs> um, so as long as my cards have cool art on them and do fun things, I'm good. Uh, kind of going back to, I mentioned this a second ago, um, top 10 creatures in modern, uh, Ragavan. We're not doing this. <laughs> no, oh, we're doing this. Ra- Ragavan, Dragon Red Chandelier. The only cards that aren't, haven't printed in the last year um, are Lurith of the Dream Den and Stoneforge Mystic. Everything else is, and Snapcaster Mage. Those are three, three cards that have been printed in the last year. Um, in Legacy, Plague Engineer, Uro, Containment Priest. Con- like it, this looks a little bit better, but you also have to con- consider that like Legacy is still highly, highly impacted uh, by things like Delver Secrets, which makes it on this list. Um, Obviously, like the top, the tenth card is either Sworn Canonist too, which is more protection than anything else. So it shows up. Um, there's a lot of cards on here. I think that the more recent sets have been power has been more powerful than than not. So I'm I'm happy that at least this is a powered down set with less less uh, flow. But yeah, I guess you're right. Like, but like they've already said they're going to be doing like the D and D set. They're going to be doing um, a Lord of the Rings set. At some right. Point soon. People are still upset about it. It doesn't matter if they're doing it or not. Yeah. That's not. But I think not that, relevant. No, but I, I think if they're going to if they're going to be doing them, like I would rather, um, you know, Gandalf the White Beard um, ends up being like not a playable card. Like if that's what we're going to do, like if the options are the power level of Modern Horizons two or the power level of the this D&D set, like, I'm happy it's on the D&D set side. Uh, I, I don't want to be having to play with um, Samwise Gamgee in my Delver deck because it's the best, you know, one-drop green creature they've printed in, in 10 years. Um, so, I don't know. That's, that's kind of where I'm at, at least. Yeah, the Dungeon of the Mad Mage, you can theoretically cast your deck. That's the other the other dungeon. Any kind of limited in-person in yet, you know, since before the pandemic so i'd be pumped for that I'm, i'd be excited to play like edh or anything like that too there's to... only gonna be three of us <sighs> man that's, 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 so we're, we're not drafting well we're, we might be like drafting a motor or something like that then <sighs> okay well i guess let's uh i don't know if you want to tell a story maybe we just get out of here and <laughs> we just call, call call it a day today i don't know either way <laughs> okay well let's we won't tell a story, but it's just a quick, I know we're not going to go into this super deep, um, but just for for those, and obviously with timing, people might be able to figure out the actual context of this. Oh, I'm going deep. You're going deep? <laughs> okay. Do you, do, you wanna, do you want to start then? No, you can start. <laughs> um, so a lot of uh, Twitter hullabaloo, we'll say that, uh, with a content producer uh posting some i mean it's racist like there's no there's no reason to sugarcoat it anyways it, it, it's racist uh comments um from years ago and I, I think it's important to mention too most of these comments that i'm looking at are um somewhere between five and nine years ago um did that make it better no um the person posted an apology the apology is 
available. It's yeah, it's 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 a, it's a it's an attempt to say the right thing, um, but it doesn't really address some of the key issues that I personally have with what actually was said in the uh, the pictures and the, uh, the tweets. And you can see the pictures of the tweets there, um, which is you know I think the larger issue and also kind of going into it too. It's it's regardless of what is said now. Um, you know, the the goal is, you know, progressing to a place now where it is, it you are a better person, you understand the area ways, and once again, the apology doesn't actually convey the idea that they understand the real extent of what they said and how that could be harmful um, to, to someone like me or someone like you, right? Like, you know, you know black males in the magic community. Um, so, just if you... If you haven't looked into it, once again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name drop them. I don't think it's I don't think that's good for anybody. But if you haven't looked into it, feel free to uh, find Twitter. It's you know we're recording this on uh, July 13th. You should be able to find this pretty easily if you're in the Magic Twitterverse. Um, but just try to keep in mind things that you do say. I, I say this to my students every year. Um, but things you do and say on the internet will stay on the internet and be found by somebody eventually. Um, so you, you are not an invisible person. Everything that you say can be brought up against you um, at the best or worst time in your life. So um, be cognizant of what you're saying on the internet, but also be cognizant of what you're saying in, in general, because things like this shouldn't be said to, to anybody. Um, and it's not something necessarily you want to bring down people, right? But you need to be cognizant that your words have consequences. Let's say it like that. Okay, so I'm going to agree and disagree with some of the things you said. Sure. Uh, first, I actually think it does more harm than good to not say who it is. Um, I feel that people in the community have a right to know. If something is affecting a large portion of the community, mm -hmm. I think it does more good to let people know so that they can fully inform themselves easier sure um, okay. so i mean you're the one who added this so you can bleep this out but yeah, added the whole thing yeah no it's it was uh, aaron campbell yeah it's aaron campbell from uh matching mics so popular uh, podcaster and i the other biggest issue i have is you know people are calling this an apology i don't i wouldn't even call this an apology um and that's not even saying that it was a good or bad statement. Uh, spoiler alert, it was bad. <laughs> um, but it, it's just literally not an apology. Like, she never, she literally never says, like, I'm sorry, or I apologize, or anything along those lines. Um, so I hate the fact that people are calling it an apology, because it's not. It's, it's a statement about what she did. But there is, uh, an apology, like, acknowledges that you have hurt people and that you like, you are going to try to fix what you did, or like make up to them in some way, or like you understand how you have made them feel. Uh, whereas her statement was entirely about her and how she has changed, um, which is, you know, whatever, but not an apology. Um, also, for what it's worth, uh, Billy mentioned that these posts are fairly old for the most part, which is true, but uh, a number of people have been complaining 
about her still saying these same kind of things in person up until, I mean, up until COVID hit. Uh, I haven't heard anything during COVID, but, you know, Magic players aren't really interacting with her at events during COVID, so it'd be kind of hard for her to keep saying things to people. Yeah. Uh, so she, I mean, she says a lot, and, you know, if she is trying to get better, that's, that is good for her. Uh, hopefully she does the work and gets there. Uh, what's, what's upsetting me more is actually not even uh, what happened, because I've known about this for like a couple years now. Mm-hmm. Um, what it's getting to be more is how people are responding to it. Uh, so if you go to the comments of this person basically admitting like they did something wrong, um, it's just a bunch of people uh, who are more or less all white saying that it's okay that they stand by her if they support her yada yada which you know i get supporting your friends but like they aren't the people who are affected yes so <laughs> their opinion just like i don't feel like matter on this uh and this is something that happens time and time again in this community just all the time um I'm going to throw out names of other people we've tweeted out, but like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, content warning, I guess. Yeah. Um, like when, <laughs> when Todd Stevens got kicked out, like there were a bunch of dudes being like, Oh, it's okay. Like I know deep down you're a good guy. Like you can say whatever you want, but he was sexually harassing women. So yep. like, if you're a guy, you weren't <laughs> like, it's not that surprising that you didn't, have these issues with him because you weren't the one he was like affecting so your opinion doesn't matter like my opinion on todd stevens doesn't does matter. not matter nope. uh i thought you were gonna say uh rudy that's what that's what i thought you were going to yeah i mean he's another good case uh you know most people's opinion on rudy doesn't matter very much one or the other like obviously you know i think most people would agree like you know what what rudy did or what Todd did or like what Owen Turtonwald did was like terrible but like you know if you're not amongst uh, like the group that their actions affected like you don't get to just you can condemn their actions but you can't say oh it's okay or like I see the work you've done because you don't know you don't really know how it's affecting the audience so just you know if somebody did something awful to a group that doesn't involve you just shut up, sit down, listen to how people are feeling, uh, and don't accept, especially in this case, um, the apology for them. Then also, if you're going to be the one who does something terrible, please first look up how to apologize. And then second, don't just copy and paste what you find and change a couple words. Like that's what, I uh, can't remember which artist got in trouble last year, but that's like what they did. Uh, Noah Bradley. Yeah, it was, like, literally, if you Google apology, it was, like, the fourth post or something. He changed, like, ten words. Yeah. And that was, that was his, like, page-long apologies. Like, you literally Googled this. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's disappointing. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> a lot of things are disappointing. But it, this is just, to me, very frustrating, watching all of these people just say it's okay. 
and I also think a lot of it is them getting away just because they have an audience. Um, if anything, I feel like it should be the opposite because you have a bigger audience, you should be held even more accountable to what you're saying mm-hmm. because what you're doing is signaling to everybody who follows you, like, it is okay to do this. Yeah. yeah this, this is okay for me to do. I'm, I'm cool if you say it around me. I'm okay if you uh, propagate this kind of speech, which is, like, not... And once again, you can, you can find... If you Google it, you should be able to find um, a list of the comments and things like that um, she's made over the, over the years. Um, and, and once again, like, this is one of those things where reading some of them, you're like, ugh, I don't... I don't agree with that one. Some of them are like, okay, well, that's that's bad. Um, but once again, like, this is for me. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm 31 years old and I've been through enough of enough things like this that I'm, I'm kind of tolerant to this. But, like, you know, we say this with other groups that are affected. Like, what if I'm a, uh, you know, 12-year-old black kid and, you know, my first time playing Magic and, like, the, these are the comments I come across. Like, is this, do I really want to be here? Like, this doesn't seem cool. I'm not, I'm not for that. Um, and I think people, you know, kind of think about the louder voices in our community. And I, I do think, which I think is great. I, I do think we have a lot of, in the past four or five years, a lot of really strong, uh, positive black voices in the magic community. You know, between, um, like, Ely, I think, between um, Anthony, uh, you know, Lawrence, right? There's a lot of more prominent uh, black figures in the magic community right now. Um, but, you know, and once again, Anthony's in commented on one of these. Like he's actually mentioned in here specifically. Um, yeah, and he also said he's had repeated interactions with her like this past uh, past these tweets. Yeah. So, yeah, this is this is one of those things too. It's and we said this, you know, about Owen, right? Like, are you okay? Do you want to be the person who who supports Owen um, Turtonwall coming back to events um, and continuing that behavior around, um, you know, young girls? You know, young girls, just women in general. Doesn't even matter. I, I don't think he was a pedophile or anything like that. But girls in general, like that's not. I'm not interested in any of my friends or my my sister or my mother or you know whoever um, being around that in my in my presence. I'd rather not them him be around in my community either. Um, once again, like, is there the chance for rehabilitation? Is there the chance for that this actually could get improved? Is there the chance that even though this has been brought up, because I'm sure knowing, knowing Anthony, I'm sure he might've, he probably eventually got to the point where like, girl, I gotta, I gotta tell you, you can't, you can't be saying that to me. Um, I, I hope so at least, but, um, you know, maybe this is a great learning experience. Maybe it's not, but I don't, I don't know. I guess only she knows at this point. Yeah, I feel like I could say a lot more about this, but I'm, uh, you know, I'm trying not to get too worked up. But I, I, I think we've more or less summed it up. Yeah. Um, notably, I didn't actually say much on my thoughts about the posts themselves, mm-hmm. uh, like the things she said herself. I guess is what I mean. And uh, I'm not going to. I don't think. Um, you know. If anybody's curious, you can message me. I will, I will talk to whoever about it. It doesn't matter if we're mutuals or not. Um, but f- for the sake of brevity and also just like not completely killing people's mood, yeah. I'm gonna leave it at. It was gross, but also just 
the reactions of people <laughs> to it are like even worse to me. Yeah. No, and that's this. This is gonna. I swear, I'm gonna come come around here. Um, like I, Owen Turtonwald was one of my favorite players of of all time. Um, Noah Bradley was literally my favorite artist. Um, like we were good acquaintances with Rudy. Um, you know, we there's a lot of people in the magic community that make make a lot of mistakes, and it, it's okay, it's okay to to back off. You know what I mean? Like you you don't have to go down the road where it's like I like them, so I have to support them. Like you can just ride it out. You can you can just message them, but like I don't know. If you're if you're looking at this like I wouldn't say I love Magic Mike's I, whatever she did is probably fine like that's not the way you should be going, um, at least before you say something stupid on the internet, um, please at least look up kind of what happened in the comments and the apology and or not apology if you want to call it that, um, and try to be a little bit more educated before you blindly support somebody because that's that's kind of what led to a lot of these other issues, um, anyways so. All right. oh, also, one one last thing, yeah. I guess, is worth noting as I think about this. Um, I also know some number of people knew about this and didn't call her out because she is also a part of a very marginalized group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while if you are in a situation like that, your intentions are admirable, but just call them out. Uh, yeah. Just because somebody's in a minority group doesn't mean that, you know, they can't do anything wrong either. They're they're just as likely to mess things up as anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was actually talking to my wife about this earlier. It's like it, this, and this is just me personally. Like my my family. I'll, I'll say it like this: There's a lot of people in my family. Um, I have a um, an aunt who's a lesbian. Um, I have a lot of members of my family who are like, well, she's she's not a lesbian. She's just confused. Um, like, She's in her 50s. She's not confused. She's married to another woman. She is 100% a lesbian. We're past that, right? Um, just because you're part of a marginalized group doesn't mean you can, you're allowed to have racist or um, bigoted feelings towards another group. Like, that's, that's just not how this works. Um, but I do think there is, is a kind of a path for a lot of people saying, well, I'm part of this group, so I'm allowed to say whatever I want about these other groups. Like, that's not how it works. Uh, like, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not against any, any group anyways, as far as, as far as I know, from where, right. Um, but because I'm black doesn't mean I'm allowed to, um, hate people who are Asian. I'm not allowed to hate, uh, people who are, uh, disabled. Like that doesn't give me the right to have this hatred view towards another group. Like if anything, I think actually being, being black makes it more, makes me more aware of like, well, I don't like when people judge me because I'm black. I don't like when people judge that person because they're disabled. I don't like people who judge them because they um, they're gay or they're lesbian or they're transgender. Like, if anything, you should we should be a little bit more understanding of these marginalized groups, not perpetuate that the same hatred and um, animosity or in this in this situation more fetish, I guess, more fetishized view of people. Like that doesn't make it better. It just makes it kind of more disappointing I think, in my mind at least um I, I think if anything like being part of a marginalized group you should be understand the the plight of other marginalized groups and if you don't i, I don't think you're, you're listening too well good 
Yeah, I think that's a wrap. All right. Ugh, man. Um, let's get out of here then. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Expedition Map on Twitter and Twitch. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Bad Luck Bandit. Uh, feel free to message the show at depth underscore podcast. Uh, if you've got any ideas what we could do for episode 50, or if we should do something for episode 52, or if we should just actually make ep- episode 51 the big one and forget those other two ones, um, let us know. Feel free to message the show. You can email us at darkdepthpod at gmail.com. Um, obviously, message us on um, Twitter, or I mean, even check out our YouTube and message on some of the... <laughs> Uh, videos that we have posted there we do need to start making more videos but we'll get to that eventually um and uh that's basically it i guess i'll see you next week i will see you next week all right goodbye though that would be really funny for people to have to play with um a hobbit in their in their like rock delver deck all right that's all modern that's all legacy um we got an episode so if if you want to keep talking we can keep talking or we can get out of here nope i'm mad because you made us look at that list (laughs) so are we are we still talking then are we are we we leaving we're done again okay that's fair until until possibly tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) until possibly 24 hours from now i need to cool off like, well, we already possibly have plans for tomorrow, so mm-hmm. not here to bail. No, that's fair. What are we are, are we are we drafting? What are we what are we supposed to be doing? I don't it... feel like that needs to be on air. Okay. Yeah, I guess you're right. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. I don't know. I, I haven't gotten to play.